Well, it's great to be here with you all. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. And thank you, uh, the Missions Board Church, for allowing me to come and be your mission speaker. Uh, that's a honor and privilege. I, I lived in Bozeman many moons ago, and I don't even know if I could tell you where there was a church. So obviously, I wasn't living for the Lord at that time. Uh, but here I am back in Bozeman. I heard a guy once say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him the plans you have for your life. There's a lot of truth uh, to that, and uh, it's, it's, it's great to be here with you this morning. My family sometimes gets to come, but my wife, it's her birthday today. Her name is Mishka, and she is back home in Billings with our three kids, 13, 12, and 9. The 9-year-old's a little boy, and uh, I'm going to go back, and her love language is hiking, so I'm going to take her on a hike later on uh, today, uh, but they couldn't be here, but they are the greatest thing God has ever blessed me with. Um, so I wish I always, uh, lived that with that gratitude, but I, uh, certainly wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. And, and they are the best part, uh, of my life. Thank you church for having a heart for missions as you know, looking at the pictures and hearing about some of the ministries, uh, that you support and that you partner with both domestic and abroad. Uh, it's been Exciting to hear a little bit that I have. Um, thank you for your prayers and support. I know I can say that for all the ministries that you're involved uh, with. Every person is important to God's plan. Every person. That's all of you. That's everybody. That's part of God's family. And everyone, God has a plan for their life. Uh, the enemy doesn't want us to know that. But every one of us is a vital Peace. It doesn't matter what your role is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. Every one of us is important uh, to what God wants to do with his plan. Uh, I know I, I was in the weight room up here at, in, uh, in a long time ago, and I played football f uh, out of high school. I went to the Bobcats. I know some of you are looking at me wondering if I was a figure skater, but I could never land a triple axle, so I just played football. <laughs> Plus, I want to look good in a tutu. I'll stop there. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm in the weight room lifting weights, and uh, one of the coaches there was from California. And he came up to me, and he said, hey, Lanning, I'm, I'm going up to your uh, neck of the woods. And he was going, I grew up in Haver, Montana. How many people know where Haver's at? Yeah, God, that's, that's a special place. How many are you planning your next vacation to Haver? <laughs> Real estate's a lot cheaper up there. Come on. Anyway, uh, this coach comes up, tells me he's going up there. And I said, he was going to uh, Fort Benton to meet with some athletes. And he was going up to uh, Glasgow and then up to Scobie. And if you're not from Montana, that's just up north. And uh, he told me where he's going. And I said, hey, coach, you're going to God's country. And he took off and I didn't see him for a few weeks. I was in the weight room lifting again. And he came in and, and he wasn't a believer. And so his language, I won't use word for word, but... He said, hey, Lanning, if that was God's country, God was mad when he created it. <laughs> he wasn't very impressed with the High Line. That's Highway 2, that neck of the woods up there. But um, it was a great place to grow up and uh, very thankful for my family. Caroline Bitts uh, is a family member, and God has blessed me with a, a rich family heritage. Just a lot of love. I have a lot of good memories up north uh, with them. One of the greatest missionaries of all time said this, never has the world had a greater need for love than in our day. People are angry for love. 
or excuse me, people are hungry, not angry. Don't be angry for love. People are hungry for love. We don't have time to stop and smile at each other. We're all in such a hurry. Mother Teresa made these remarks and how right she was. And still today, more than ever, is that true? There's a country music group called Alabama. Some of you younger folk probably never heard of them, but they have a song went like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. You guys probably could finish. I'm in a, I'm in a hurry to get things in. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm, I'm wearing in it. You guys know how it goes. Does anyone know how it goes? Any young people? Go ahead, stand up. I'm just... <laughs> I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. It could be our theme song in America. It could be a theme song for too many of us in this room. What is the greatest surprise you've found about life? A university student asked Billy Graham. It's the brevity of life, he replied without hesitation. Time moves so quickly, and no matter who we are or what we have done, the time will come when our lives will be over. As Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no, work, when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Life is short, and every day is an opportunity. Every day is a gift from God, and because of that, it's an opportunity to let his light shine in us and through us. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, for the thank you, Lord, for today. Every day is a gift, Lord. Thank you for all the people that are here today, Lord, and every life represented in the sphere that each life represents, Lord. God, may you help us today. May you help us slow down. May you help us get our lives in order. Help us to live lives on mission, Lord, mission with you. We thank you for your grace and mercies that you, you have bestowed upon us. We ask that you continue to pour them out on us, Lord. Help us to understand how much you love us today so that we can love others in the days, weeks, and months to come, Lord. Help us, Lord, this day that you have made, Lord. Thank you. We rejoice in it. Amen. Provision International, the ministry I work with, uh, is headquartered out of Billings, but it started out of Harlowton, Montana. Our mission statement is Provision International is a worldwide Christian ministry of outreach that strives to meet the earth's less fortunate and downtrodden populace. We're committed to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I forgot my mission statement. <laughs> By networking resources to serve people in areas of great need, both domestic and abroad. See, missions is everywhere. It's not just here or there. It's everywhere. Mission starts at home. It starts in our heart, actually, when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. That's, I didn't share this earlier, but... So often in ministry and in life, we get saved and then we try to get going. But it's so important that we learn how to get well. You get well by reading the Bible. You get well by being a part of a small group or a Bible study. You get well by going to church. You get well by doing life with other people. And as you get well, as the gospel does what only it can do, transform our lives, change us from the inside out, you really get going out of that. And that's when missions really springs forward. So what's the catalyst? What's the beginning? A deep belief in God and his only begotten son. Making Jesus Jesus our all. And it's not just a really a one-time thing. It's a continued thing. I was at dinner once with John Ashcroft in Billings. And, and he said, Lance, I wake up every day early in the morning and I ask Jesus back into my life. 
And I'm thinking, what kind of theology is this? But what I didn't understand at that time and get really well is so easy in America, day by day, it's easy to lose track of who our Savior is, what the meaning of this life is, what the purpose of our life is. And, and therefore, we don't have any direction. Therefore, we can flounder. We can, instead of being laser focused, which the gospel and Jesus Christ help us do that. Um, provision started 21 years ago. A man named Dick Larson, he was a state commercial building inspector for Eastern Montana, went with a group out of Harlowton, Montana on a mission trip to Eastern Europe. A girl on that trip, that was part of the team, had an asthma attack. They rushed her to the emergency room at, in this third world country. And all they had at the emergency room in this hospital was a coat rack and a wheelchair. And you might go, well, how's that possible? Well, if you've been to a poor country, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's countries still today where people are being treated on dirt floors. Well, he sees this and, and, and I didn't, if it wasn't for a lender lady that was a nurse from Harlowton, that saved her life, that she might've died. They, they got her back to the place they were staying and got her in a cold bath and cooled down. But he came home from that trip and the Lord put on his heart at 59 years old to start collecting used medical equipment. Now he was three years from full retirement from the state of Montana. Not, doesn't really make sense. But when God calls, when God tugs on your heart, quite often it won't make sense to us. And quite often, we just need to take a step of faith, whatever that may be. And Dick took a step of faith. He, he quit his job, and he started Provision International. He started taking used medical equipment, donated medical equipment from hospitals because he had relationships with hospitals because he was a state commercial building inspector. So hospitals started donating their used medical equipment to Provision International, and Provision International began shipping it overseas. In the very infancy of our organization, we're in Bucharest, Romania, and we're unloading medical equipment. Now, just imagine being in the streets of Bucharest, Romania, uh, 20 years ago, and uh, uh, be 19 years ago. Um, we're unloading, you know, there's a shipping container, and there's government officials, and there's doctors, and we're unloading uh, anesthesia machine, hospital beds, x-ray equipment, that kind of thing. And it's loud, and we're unloading it, and we look over, and... There's people crawling up out of a manhole that live under the streets. Most of them diseased with hep have hepatitis C. Don't have, you know, you can tell they're hungry. And they're crawling up wondering what all the noise is. They're looking at us. We're looking at them. We realize that they can't eat the medical equipment. And we can tell they're hungry. And we made a decision right there in the streets of Bucharest. Lord, if you put the need in front of us and we have the ability to meet it, we're going to meet it. Now, it would have been simpler just to do medical equipment. But we... You know, quite often the Lord's way isn't the simplest way either or the easiest way. And so we took several hundred extra dollars that we had on the trip and we went and bought as much food as we could. And we fed as many of those people we could that day. Thus provision again became more than just shipping medical equipment. But God has a plan and a way of working things out in all of our lives. And we get home and pulse crops, if you know what those are, had just been introduced to Montana. And a, cup, uh, a farmer north of Cupbank, Montana said, hey, I want to start donating yellow edible peas to Provision International. He donated three semi-loads to the first, was the first donation to us. And today we ship Montana farmers food and elsewhere. We go, we're just in Purim, Minnesota, picking up beans. We're just down in New Mexico, picking up beans. We go to Idaho, uh, Nebraska, North Dakota, and we get pulse crops, a, a lot of beans. We go after uh, lentils and beans because they have high protein. 
They're really valuable in most parts of the world. Um, but we ship food now uh, to different places that are in need. But we've put a lot of different things in a shipping container. We've shipped bicycles, clothing, uh, blankets, shoes, construction equipment, tools, generators. We still do medical, but not like we did just because the medical industry has changed. Uh, school supplies, we've recently shipped thousands of toys out. Uh, we, we're doing a toy run this Christmas where we, we have churches and individuals mostly that bring toys and we ship them to third world countries where people don't even get a brand new toy. So you can imagine the opportunity. I'm going to fly out next Friday to El Salvador with a group of men and we're going to be in prisons at family days in El Salvador handing out families come and dads get to give their kids a toy and feel like a father. And we get to share the gospel as they present their family. So we get to share Jesus with their family, but also these men in prison. And they get to feel like a dad one day out of the year and bless their child with a toy, a real toy. A lot of them have never even had a toy. So the toys have been a tool for the gospel to spread as well. Uh, I always say if, if it'll fit in a container, we've shipped it. We've shipped bobcats. We've shipped tra small tractors. We've shipped vans um, that we turned into medical uh, 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 like a clinic, a mobile clinic kind of thing. Um, we've built schools. We've built orphanages, churches, clinics, homes. We've built hundreds of homes in El Salvador. Uh, it, you'll see a video here in a little while where you'll see one of the homes. They're tw 10 by 20. Cost $1,200 to give a family a home. And, you know, most people in third world countries live in plastic or cardboard wrapped with whatever they can put on the roof. So you can imagine having a, a house with four sides that's secure, that you can lock, gets you out of the weather element, the rainy season, but also keeps you from gang members being able to just cut the plastic, come in and hurt your family. So you can imagine how precious these homes are. We've even built a home for trafficked women uh, to heal and recover in Chisinau, Moldova. And... Uh, Hebrews 3, 4 says, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now I throw that in there because you, know, you can start talking about what we do, but it's, but it's all what God does. We're just an extension of his hands. It's all about him. And I don't want that to get missed in the work we're doing. It, all the glory and honor goes to him. He's the one that makes it happen. He's the one that changes life. I've never healed anyone. I've never delivered anyone from darkness. I've never changed anyone's eternal destination. He does it all, but he wants to use us. And that's so important that we answer that call. When we were building that school in El Salvador, it's called the Hosanna School, and there's 370 kids that go to school there today. Uh, I'll be there here in uh, uh, I'll be, uh, about eight days. It'll be Monday, whatever that will. I'll be at the school. But it's an unbelievable school. Kids are being discipled every day. But when we, and the first, let me say this. When we built it, we were hoping for 50 kids. Today, there's 370. We used to have 450 before COVID. But there's a gang population and a gang problem in El Salvador. MS-13 and 18th Street Gang wreak havoc on the older kids. And so sometimes it's harder to keep them in school. But we'll build that back up. But we were building that school in 2012. I took 11 men down from Montana and we built this school. And... Um, a little girl named Anna Christina stepped on a piece of rebar and ran it through her foot. And I was the only doctor there. There was nowhere to take her. So I, yeah, they're tougher than we are. I just packed it full of Neosporin and put a bandage on it. Um, even when I see her to still today, she always points at her foot. It's kind of funny. She's probably not happy about that scar. Um, but she steps on a piece of rebar, runs it through her foot. Well, all the little kids there don't have any shoes to wear. That, you know, if you make a dollar or $2 a day, you're not going to go buy a $15 or dollar pair of shoes. You're, you're going to feed your family. 
I come home from that trip thinking about her stepping on the rebar. And this is in 2012. And I'm in my garage and I'm looking. I have eight pairs of shoes sitting there. I'm thinking, I don't wear any of those. Most of them are brand new. I have a pair of Keens that rubbed my toe wrong, paid a hundred and some bucks for them, so I can't give them away. You know, I got to save them someday. I'm going to wear them. I even had a pair of shoes that was two sizes smaller. What am I saving those for? When my foot gets cut off in an auger, then I'll have a pair. Like, what in the world? So I'm thinking, hey, shoes, how about shoes? So I called one of my board members who lives in Pennsylvania, Mike, and I said, Mike, what do you think of collecting new shoes? He said, I love it. And he's not a creative guy at all. But he said, let's call, on the same conversation, he goes, let's call it share pair. I thought, oh, I, so we started share pair. And today we've shipped hundreds of thousands of pairs of used shoes all over the world. K-Love, the Christian radio did a special on us about, I don't know, five, six years ago. And people from Connecticut and Florida and New York started shipping their shoes to us. And that doesn't really make sense, shipping it to Montana to send it to Central America or send it to Haiti or ship it. We just had a container go out to, is on the water right now, going to Yemen. But... It doesn't always make sense when you're following the Lord. The shoes have been a huge blessing. So if you have extra used shoes, don't throw them away. We'll take them. Wells, we drill wells. Uh, right now we're working in Uganda, Tanzania, bringing clean and safe water to villages. It's nothing, you know, in Uganda, there'd be my three villages, maybe three, two, 300 people in each village. To be able to bring clean water uh, is unbelievable. Probably one of the most powerful things I've seen. We take it for granted here in America because we turn the faucet on. Most of us don't even worry about how long we run the faucet. Um, but, you know, most of these African countries, kids are the ones that carry the water. Sometimes they carry them for miles, the yellow jugs. A lot of times it's girls. It's not safe. They're drinking out of mud ponds, ponds, stagnant, infested, dirty water. Um, it's not safe because they go over these wood bridges. I, I don't know how many times I've heard of stories of little girls or little boys falling in and drowning. And so you can imagine to have a, a clean water. What a blessing. Uh, that is. We do missions trips. And why do we go? Because it's hard to adequately love and touch someone long distance. Mother Teresa again said, there is more hunger in the world for love and to be appreciated than there is for bread. Proverbs ten fifteen says, poverty is the ruin of the poor. If we deprive ourselves of relationships, relationships with the poor, we impoverish our own lives. The truth is God hides his treasures amongst the poor the broken, the hand extended to you asking for help is often there to help you too. And I have an old pastor friend that went to be with the Lord that would always say, he'd look me in the eye every time I'd see him, his name was Jim. He'd say, Lance, remember, compassion's always inconvenient. Hear that. Remember, compassion is always inconvenient. Whether it's here in Bozeman or your family or wherever, it's always inconvenient. But we're called to compassion. We're called to wash people's feet. That's what happens when we give our lives to Jesus. We don't want to deprive ourselves of relationships with the poor. It's so important that we're helping reach out, make a difference in people's lives. God's work is always mutually transformational. It's amazing. You go to help someone and you're blessed and they're blessed. How's that possible? Because the Holy Spirit works in all directions. We go on mission trips to change lives. And if you've been on a mission trip or you went to help somebody anywhere, you understand this. We return with our lives forever changed as we reap the personal benefit and reward that comes from serving others. Why is it so important that Jesus is the Lord of our lives? Because I don't think you can serve 
the downtrodden or anyone for that matter, your spouse, your kids, if you don't have Jesus at the helm. I don't think we have it in us. If we don't have Jesus as the Lord of our lives, by default, we make ourselves the Lord of our lives. I've done it much of my life, so I'm a master at it. But boy, where the rubber meets the road is when we give our lives to Jesus and he takes the wheel and he starts to make a difference in our lives and then it starts to just go. When I first got saved, I remember I I, I, uh, used to call it magic. I'll just say, not to go into a story, but I used to say it's magical. Well, it's not magical. It's God's power at work in our lives. But it's so important that we're not the Lord of our lives. That's why we, why, why do we have, why do we give people opportunity to respond and make Jesus the Lord of their lives? Because as long as we're the Lord of our lives, we're not going to experience Jesus. He, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. And he, he's, he could kick that door down, but that's not love. That's abuse. Free will. And he gives us all free will to follow him, to serve him, to love him, to let him lead us. God is calling all of us to live missional lives. The truth is God has given us all time, gifts, and resources, and he wants us to invest them and not waste them. He wants all of us to finish well. And that only happens by being a follower of Jesus and not a follower of the world. Many people in America, we come to Jesus, but we don't follow him. And that's where we miss it. We come, we ask him into our lives, and then we, we kind of make ourselves the Lord of our lives in and out, in and out. But we want to be surrendered. If I'm surrendered, it's unbelievable what he can do in us and through us. If you're surrendered, it's unbelievable what he can do in you and through you. It's not you, it's him. And as you watch the video coming up here in a few minutes, man, it's all him. I, I guarantee you, Pastor Ryan would say the same. And any pastor, any missionary, or anyone in ministry, any of the ministry support, it's all him. Well, that's, that's humble. Maybe it's actually factual. Because when you start to serve the Lord, you realize what he does and what you do. And your awe and gratitude goes off the charts. Because he's a good, good God that never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we can trust him. It is best and vital for us to surrender our lives. And that's where we want to live. Jesus is either a lunatic or he's the son of God. And he, even his half-brother James thought he was a lunatic until he realized who he was. He was the savior. But it's a question that all of us have to answer. And I don't know if you're spiritually unresolved or not, but that's a question you need to answer sooner than later. Who's this man named Jesus? Because when we figure out who he is and we believe in him and believe in God and, and him, it's a game changer. It's really what gets us going. It's really the beginning of living a missional life. And it's important that we understand who he is and we answer that question. God wants to show his greatness by using nothingness. And if we don't understand who Jesus Christ is, then we don't understand that we're nothing. And he's everything. Jesus is the key to all life. My main verse for today is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here, verse 10 again, for we are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Wow. Me, 
Yeah, you. Every one of us. Oh, I'm just a young, no, it doesn't matter how old. Oh, I'm, 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 I do dialysis three days a week. It doesn't matter. If you're breathing, God has purpose for your life and you're valuable to the kingdom. It's not about our ability. It's about our availability. And, and we want to be a conduit. That's our goal. We talk about all the time in Provision National. We want to be a conduit to the poor. We want to be a conduit to whoever God puts in our pathway. It doesn't matter what their income level is. Everybody needs Jesus. And each one of us is a valuable piece of that. Billy Graham said, the secret of my work is God. I would be nothing without him. I echo Billy Graham's words. The secret to Provision International. If you said, Lance, how's the, how's the things happened that have happened? We've just tried to get out of the way. That's hard to do too, right? We would be nothing without him. The secret is him. I, uh, how many Bobcat fans are in here? I just wonder, in Bozeman, is there any Grizzly fans in, that live in? No, they ran, oh, there's one, but he's like, don't worry, I won't bust, I won't. There's one guy back there, but I saw the hand go up. Well, actually, the largest football stadium in Montana is Washington Grizzly Stadium. But there's another, the second largest is here. And that's okay, you know, it'll keep growing. Uh, but I, I, if I'm correct, and, and Don, my relative, said that there's about 20,000 people come to the game, or can hold 20,000. And I played football, so... You know, I know what it's like to get ready uh, to put on the pads, put on the gear. I used to start sweating before I even got to warm-ups. You know, just anymore they don't wear as much gear, so maybe it's easier. But And you go out and you battle for X amount of time. And it's 11 men battling 11 men. 22 people playing football. 20,000 people, on like yesterday, come watch 22 men battle it out at Bobcat Stadium or any stadium in America on a Saturday or football. Thousands of people watching a few battle. And it's, it's, I, I think it's an, a, a reflection or an image of the church in America today. Thousands of people in the stands watching, coming to church on Sunday or when it fits their lives, being involved with this when it fits their schedule. And only a few on the field doing it. Hey, we have been called to be participants, not spectators. And I can't tell you what you're supposed to be doing, but I promise you, God did not call you to sit in the stands and watch. And as long as you're in the stands, you're not going to understand or experience the power of God in his favor. You have to get out in the field. Maybe that's praying with your spouse for the first time. Those who pray together stay together. Maybe that's giving to missions for the first time, writing that check to your church. Maybe that's coming and joining a men's Bible study or women's Bible. Maybe that's going and seeing a neighbor. Maybe, I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's just opening the Bible and being committed to learning his word, the living word. I don't know, but I promise you the Holy Spirit's speaking to you because God, God wants to be revealed. God wants to be known and he wants to use our time, our gifts and our resources to do it. God has called all of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, this is a little side note. In the Bible, there's an armor of God that we put on. And you put it on because there's a spiritual battle going on that most of us don't really realize or see. And we really can't understand it probably, the spiritual realm. 
but it talks about an armor that we should all put on, the armor of God. You know, I was thinking just as I was saying this, I used to put on those pads and go play. But thank God I don't have to put those on anymore. But there's an armor that's important that we should put on before we go out and play. Before we go out in, in that part of scripture, it calls us to be ambassadors. Ambassadors for Christ. That's powerful. Well, not me, you might say. No, every one of us. Every one of us. That's why he created you. That is your purpose in this life. Don't miss it. Because if you miss it, you're going to miss the fullness and the inheritance that God has for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Every one of us is called to be missionaries. Every one of us is called to do ministry. Not just missionaries, not just missions organizations, not just pastors. All of us are called to live missional lives. And again, it begins with a personal relationship with Jesus and following him all the way home. There's an old hymn that has a chunk that goes something like this. Ever so soon this life will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Think about it. Ever so soon this life will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Thank you all of you and God bless.